Welcome to Nature Finds a Way, a pop culture podcast where we nerd out about biology facts and fiction in some of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. I'm Lindsay and she's Sarah and we are marine biologists in recovery. And today we're talking about bats with Silverwing, the book. Yay! Whoop, whoop. I hadn't read this when I was a child. I... I had read it not really as a child because it came out in 1997, so I was like oh, okay. 15. But I think maybe my brother was reading it mm-hmm. and I decided to read it. I can't remember. I have strong memories of like reading it at Whistler. I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it was a, a book that was around. A book. Yeah, I probably just needed a book and it was there. And I think like in the same trip, my whole family ended up reading it because it's quite short because mm-hmm. it's written yeah. for like 10 year olds. Mm hmm. Or maybe a little older than 10-year-olds. I don't maybe know. A bit. Yeah. I was reading the um, synopses for the sequels, and they get dark. Yeah. These books are dark. Yes. I, I have never read any of the sequels. I'm not... Yeah, it's definitely, like, younger YA, but still, mm-hmm. like, YA. So maybe, like, 12-year-olds. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's by Kenneth Opal, and as I said, it came out in 1997, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. A little yeah. weird. <laughs> it's a little weird, but it's definitely not what I thought it was going to be when I started reading it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be young bat fighting the oppression of the old bats who always do it this way. And I don't want to read that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was stopped. definitely more adventure. Yeah, adventure more adventure story. than fighting yeah. matriarchy. Or even um, matriarchy in this version. Yes, it's a very matriarchal group of bats. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true or not, but... Well, part like it's matriarchal because he's in the like yearling he's group in the first, yeah. of mm-hmm. just the moms and babies. So yeah, anyways, never really got to the point if there were old, old men. men. Yeah. Um. Do you want to do a little quick plot synopsis? Ish. Sure. So there is a bat named Shade, and he we're introduced to him, and he's hunting with his bat vision, aka echolocation, um, and we learn that he's a little bit of a runt and his mom is always afraid of him, afraid for him and he's trying to get better at hunting and get big and strong for the migration and also so that all the other yearlings who are asshats stop being <laughs> asshats um and then Basically. he decides to be brave and stay up to see the sun mm-hmm. which causes all sorts of drama because the owl wants to attack him which we'll get into and then Goes back to the roost and he gets in trouble with the elders and then the owls set the roost on fire and then they have to go on their migration and he gets separated and then hijinks. He meets Indeed. other bats, he meets pigeons, he meets like this bat who might be a god. It's very, and he meets evil bats and some rats and all sorts of yes. things. Yes, we, we, we go on a, on a big adventure for a small bat. Yes, exactly. So in the book, there's several different species of bat. Mm-hmm. Based on the nothing other than just my assumption, I'm assuming that this is like an East Coast um, North America book, mm-hmm. is my guess. Um, mm-hmm. Although the so these bat species that you found, was that? I found it on the Silverwing Silver Wing Wikia, because apparently that's a thing. Cool. Okay, so questionable but probable information yes. about what species of bats these they are correct yes 
Yeah, so there's silk, like they call each other silver wings as the main species that shade is. And then there's bright wings, which is um, this uh, other solo bat that he finds, uh, Marina. And then there's some uh, like carnivorous bats. Um, yeah, so do we want to talk about all the species or just maybe the, the maybe main just- one? The main one. There's a lot of species of bats. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that shortly. Sometimes they're very different and sometimes they're not. Yeah. So the silver wing bats are found all throughout, like, all of southern, like, all of North America up to sort of, like, the middle of, like, British Columbia, etc. So not super far north, but pretty far north. So they're found here in BC. They, like, all the bats in um, temperate areas are insectivores. They eat mm-hmm. mostly things like moths and mosquitoes and spiders and whatever else. Um, so yeah, the silver silver-haired bat are a pretty common um, common species here. And this is what made me think of it being an East Coast one: is the um, bright-winged bats are eastern red bats, and they're only found as far west as like mm, Saskatchewan. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they're definitely over some kind of water probably a bay yeah yeah Um, yeah there's definitely some ocean at some point um and then the vampire bats or the carnivorous bats are escaped from like a research facility or a zoo or something so they are not um indigenous to where the story is set correct yes we don't know where they're from just the jungle Mm Hmm. the jungle yeah we probably won't talk about vampire bats too much in this. They're a big part of the book, but there's also, there's so many different kinds of bats and they are the ones yeah. that I know the least about. Yeah, they are evil in this book because mm-hmm. their names are vampire bats. And well, we and talked they, about this. Yeah. They eat like, bats. They do, yeah, they do eat them. But we've talked about, I think we talked about vampire bats in What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, bit, yeah, we did. Just touched on them because it was... Vampire bats, vampire squids, all those things. But anyway, vampire bats are evil because of the things that they do, the things that people think are evil. Oh no, <laughs> they eat mammals. Ah. Well, anyway. they're also pretty manipulative in the book. Oh yeah, no, like these two are evil. But yes, just, but yeah, yeah, no, vampire bats in general are not in general. evil. Gotcha. They're just, they're just eaten. Not, not all predators. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so there's a huge part of the book... That evolves around, revolves around, <laughs> good um, slip of the tongue, that revolves around the thought that the bats at some point are going to like evolve slash mm-hmm. transform mm-hmm. into animals that can live in the daytime so that they're not like stuck at night. Yes. And some bats think that they're going to turn into humans. There's some, there's a rat that thinks it's going to turn into a bat. And so it's that. A, it's a little wonky. It's a little wonky, but also, okay, so bad evolution is very complicated. And in the 90s, our understanding of where bats fit into the mammal evolutionary tree was different than where it is now because bats haven't, like, especially small bats didn't really fossilize very well because they're real small and their bones are really tiny for the flying. Um, Mm -hmm. So really, until we did a lot of genetic analysis, we now know that all bats have a common ancestor. There was a lot of speculation that like some bats evolved from rodents and some bats evolved from other things. Yeah. But all bats have a common ancestor there in the group Chiroptera and there's just bats in that group. They're mm-hmm. close. They have a, their closest common ancestor to non bat things includes a group of um, 
to the order Scroatifera. And so this includes the um, Fire, which is carnivores and pangolins. So like mm-hmm. pangolins, cats, seals, bears, dogs, etc. And then also um, ungulates, which includes horses and whales. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that I did not say rodents in that group. Bats are more no. closely related to whales than to of rodents. Course. Whales are closely related to a lot of Oh, yeah. Things, guys. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so bats aren't super closely related to anything. Um, but they're, yeah, they're more closely related to carnivores and ungulates than they are to other bat type things such as shrews or moles or rodents. Mm-hmm. Just uh, convergent evolution of that body shape. Yeah, and well, because like we've already, well, I'm sure we've talked about bats being convergent evolution. Mm. With, with like as a, the classic example of bats and birds. Yeah, but yeah. also like bats and um and like flying squirrels, for example. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which do not like totally fly; they more like glide. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of confusion about inner groups of bats, mm-hmm. but basically there's the standard thought is that there's mega chiroptera and micro chiroptera, and there's like only one group in the mega chiroptera which is like the there's these giant fruit bats and i think might include some vampire bats like probably the ones that were in the book and then micro chiroptera is all the other ones um which is not super useful (laughs) and you can't really separate them in terms of um what they eat because there's there's like convergently evolved um feeding strategies so like there's um bats that eat like meat um in a few groups there's bats that eat fruit in a in a bunch of groups there's yeah so it's all very complicated um there is like there is definitely like new world bats so like in i hate the world the terms new world and old world Mm -hmm. but they still use them a lot so like new world is basically like north america and south america and then old world is like europe and africa and asia Anyways, yeah, so there's new world and old world bats, well, old world bats that are not super closely related because of oceans. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So bat evolution super complicated, but the fact that in this book they talk about that evolution, obviously like individuals aren't going to evolve into humans because that's not how evolution works, but like no. the thought that when they have that conversation of the rat maybe and the bat have like uh, are closely related, that was sort of standard assumption back mm-hmm. then yeah yeah just because they body shape and exactly exactly yeah this rat it was a little confusing i was like because he was supposed to be mm-hmm. a rat so mm-hmm. like he could have been if he wasn't supposed to be supposedly related to the other rats mm-hmm. the flying squirrel because he was like kind of webbed i think it was just a mutation yeah yeah, which I mean is how evolution happens in general. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, just, we've just. all seen the introduction of X Men. Indeed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the big thing in this also is that Shade is with his mom, and mm-hmm. they're going, and his dad is apparently dead, but they're going to the south to meet the males who are yes. there already, or they're meeting them on the way. I can't remember because he's not um, with the group. I think the, so. I think they the, meet them on the way, right? They meet them on the way because they both spend their summers in different places and then hibernate together. Yes. But, and then Shade does have siblings that he never meets because they're off being, sorry, juveniles instead of yearlings. Yes. And, but it's never stated about if their father, who their father is, but it's. Correct. It sounds a lot like, because his mom was especially like very sad that his dad died. So it sounds a lot like mating for life and. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they just, just no. Sarah's notes are, ha ha, no. Yeah, no. Um, they do care for their young. So, like, there's a long period of care. So, like, um, mother bats will fly with their teeny baby bats on them, which is mm-hmm. very cute. Yeah, a long period of care. So that part makes sense. But do they mate for life? Not as far as I know. Um, yeah, they just they just mate. Lots of bats actually have twins. When I was reading about the silver-haired oh. bats, they apparently typically give birth to two offsprings with an even sex ratio on average, which is cool. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. so that was not in this book because he did not no. have a twin. But that's a good YA story to tell. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then in terms of... Um, mating bats actually do a really cool thing so their breeding will happen essentially right before hibernation so all the bats get together just before hibernating at the Mm, hibernaculum mm -hmm. and that's when breeding will occur but then they're uh the females there's a bunch of different strategies depending on the species and also this is specific for bats that hibernate um and i'm less sure about other bats um, but they will either store sperm or delay implantation of the blastocyst or like the tiny fetus until mm-hmm. um, basically as they're coming out of hibernation mm-hmm. so that um, birth occurs when there's peak food at the mm-hmm. at the birthing place, not right when they get out of hibernation and there's no food. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that you didn't spend all of hibernation, not only not eating, but also being pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So That's yeah, smart. yeah, Good pretty job, bats. pretty common for like um lots of mammals that like seasonally get together and a, a, mm-hmm. there's seasonal huge seasonal variation in food abundance also. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. really thought about that. Like obviously we know that spring is when the babies come and that winter is when they hibernate, but I never really thought well because I never thought about like small mammal gestation time yeah gestation periods because why would I exactly <laughs> it's not that and it's super variable also. Yeah, and like maybe if I saw a baby squirrel, then I would think about it. But I'm too distracted by the thousands of geese that are taking. <laughs> yeah, and um, tropical bats can also delay implantation or store sperm. Um, mm. I have firsthand experience of uh-huh. this in trying to do population control on a large group of fruit bats. Um, yeah, good times. Bat whisperer. Yes, we we caught a lot of bats, and we uh, we. Snipped a lot of bats, if you know That's what good. I mean. Um, I do. Yeah. Um, so more convergent evolution. Echolocation. Do, do, do. Yeah. I'm sure we've talked about, because why wouldn't we? Whales? Whales. Anyway, bats see with their ears. They do a, a interesting thing in this book where they kind of like manipulate, like they, they sing mm. to produce uh, visions that are fake. And some, like, it was, like, helpful yeah, for, like, a sound map for where you're, they're going on mm-hmm. the migration. And then also to be like, look, I'm totally turning into a human because I'm lying to you with my songs, which was weird. Yeah. But, I mean, in the concept of, like, a fantasy book that involves yes, bats. totally. Super believable, mm-hmm. plausible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting way to do things of, like, we can do this because echolocation yeah so they can 12 12 year olds don't know yeah well and but also like we don't really know fully how that's true we don't echolocation like because our brains can't understand how that how you can Mm -hmm. take a sound and turn it into a visual thing like exactly yeah yeah um and also like the history of the group of bats in the in the cave or in the tree at the beginning the history is stored like in the tree in echoes which i thought was Mm -hmm. a bit stretching things a bit but also was really cool yeah, it was a super cool way to, for, to 
do exposition, but mm-hmm. I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know about that. And then like nobody was concerned when it all burned down, which was weird. <laughs> so. Yeah, he was concerned. Like Shade was concerned, but none of the adults were. I don't know, but I guess if they all knew the story, maybe it was the kind of thing that like to keep the echoes. You had to like keep keep adding energy, like keep retelling the story in the echo chamber. Oh yeah, maybe? so, so that they it kept so the echoes didn't die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I don't, I don't know. I also don't know enough about echoes. No, me neither. To know if that's a possibility, even short term. Yeah. Who knows? So the thing with the sun is has to do with the plot and the history of all the animals being in a big war and bats being cowards and not wanting to fight. And then they get banished to the night. Yeah. Which I thought which, was by the owls, which I'm like, but owls are also usually nocturnal. I know. That was the biggest thing. It was like the owls, like, we have to go... Oh, home because the owls will be out soon and i was like no but owls are nocturnal well maybe owls are more crepuscular than bats maybe like dusk but and dawn yeah they don't really talk about that at all no so it's a little confusing and also like how do they determine like if they're crepuscular and bats can't be out at all because like the way that he's describing it is sunrise yeah or and then the sun is all like it was just weird i'm like how do you mark the times like when the sky first is lighting or when the ball is fully above which which dawn is it there's lots of different like which dawn and which twilight yeah 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 so that was strange but there was also that they well they had a myth that they were going to be burnt by the sun Mm -hmm. but also it was very bright on their eyes which i think is just a thing that happens with nocturnal animals well and yeah exactly their their eyes are so adapted to seeing in low or no light that they don't see well in bright light because of yeah. like overwhelmed um mm-hmm. also like the whole blind as a bat thing like bats actually have really good eyesight but not in the daytime so yeah i don't know where that came from it's one of those things that it's probably from they don't see at the times where we see exactly good so they're definitely blind because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we don't understand it's like the thing with bees and how they see all those different other colors and not just bees, but all sorts of animals. Like how do we, yes. How does that even work for us? Yeah. So. Our brains like li- actually can't comprehend it. No. Other than Which theoretical. Which is crazy and, and freaks me out and have an existential crisis. A little bit. But, but anyway. Animals are cool. Animals are cool. Yeah. Okay. So then there's lots of different plot points in this, as you can tell, because we keep mentioning it. So one, the bat he meets, the bright wing Marina. Yeah. Um, has a band on mm-hmm, her leg, mm-hmm. and so do a couple of the Silver Wings, including his dad had one. Yeah. And in the Silver Wings, they're just like, shh, we don't talk about this. Yeah. Because we don't talk about things. Um, but Marina was actually banned from her um, group of, like, from her family group and had to go live by herself. And then there's lots of other bats they meet along the way that have bands of course the evil ones have bands because they were in the they were in a research facility or zoo we don't really know yeah and then there's a bunch of them that are that think that the bat like they have lots of different myths about what the bands are going to do and then the ones who think they're going to turn into humans think that that's what the bands are going to do to them and like all this stuff and it's yeah like it's just like conspiracy theories and things that they tell each other to understand something that they don't understand which exactly well things work but what's actually probably happening at least for the ones that are in the wild not the not the vampire bats is that they were caught and recaptured and banded as part of population studies which is a thing that happens all the time with most animals that are we are capable of catching and recapturing safely 
Um, so you'll probably see this even in your parks. Like, I don't think squirrels, they might get microchipped or something. Yeah, um, it, it's more like squirrels. We don't really always, especially like in a care. city park, we don't really care how many yeah. there are. Yeah, that's um. true. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, yeah. no, we don't care about those guys. But like, if you were in Stanley Park with the geese, obviously yeah. not because we don't care about their population. We want it to go down. Exactly. Um, but the herons that are yes. endangered, they are, some of them are banded and stuff like that. Yeah. And like migratory so, birds get banded and then you can like report your sighting of banded birds mm-hmm. and stuff. Banded birds and they do that. They used to do it in really harmful ways with sea lions. They mm-hmm. do it with all the rehabilitated mammals, marine mammals that you hear about. They are all tagged in different kinds of ways mm-hmm. um, with just like bright number tags on their flippers and also sometimes with trackers, depending on things. Yeah. Um, when they're released so that they can see and they can recite them to see if it was successful or not. Anyway, so that's the main part of capture recapture studies is for population studies because it gives you an estimate. You capture them, you ban them, and then you see them out again in the wild. And then that's a, a percentage of, right? Like you see one banded with 20 yeah. unbanded and you're like, okay, well, that's a very rough estimate sampling of the population yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then you recapture, then you look at them the next year, be like, okay, I saw these two. And then I saw this one that I saw for five years and now it's gone. So it might be dead yeah. or something along those lines. So it just gives you a long-term way to track same animals compared to like as a percentage of the actual population as opposed to trying to go out and count all the birds yeah that is hard yeah yeah so it gives you it gives you like a, a like estimated percent so like if you catch 10 animals one year and you banned them all and then the next year you catch 10 more and only one of them was already banded, banded. then you yeah. can say like okay so 10 of them was like 10 percent of mm-hmm. the total population yeah it's a it's just one of the different ways of sampling that yes scientists do for population studies like much quadrant statistics yeah much statistics biology is mostly statistics it's a lie guys yeah don't if you don't like math you can't be a biologist <laughs> just so you know yeah um, yeah so that's what it was for that's mm-hmm. why they were that's why these bats have bands on them yeah although looking at the synopses it might be slightly more evil in the next books we'll find out not really because i'm not gonna no we're not gonna read the next books (laughs) if you have let us know because it sounds like humans might be evil well very oh yeah that's the other time we would have talked about bats was when we did fern gully oh yeah yeah because he had a crazy antenna tracker yeah so Mm -hmm. fun um what else did i want to talk about oh yeah so it the whole like end goal of the movie is to get to the place where they hibernate and they call it a hibernaculum, which is one of my favorite words. Um, it's such a good word. Uh, it's funny in the book because it's like capitalized as though it's like a place name, like the the tree that they go to in the rock and stuff. But it's actually like the real world for real word for a place where animals hibernate. Um, yeah, which is I cool. like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about hibernation a lot in mm-hmm. our Groundhog Day episode. Oh, yeah. We didn't want to talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah. How bad it was. Yeah, but if... Yeah. Short form, it's not just sleeping. Oh. <laughs> it's actual, it's like a torpor um, relevant to the current weather here in oh. good old Vancouver. The opposite, or not the opposite, but there's a similar, some animals do a similar period of torpor in the summer called estivation. Estivation is when it's too hot. They like bury in some cold mud and stay cold. Because it's Sounds like, great. If, if you know French, and probably I'm assuming Latin, hiver is winter and like... um. Este, et, 
Eighth day? Something like yeah. that is summer. I don't summer know. I knew French. Yeah. <laughs> bury myself with some cold mud and take a nap. That sounds great. Sign me up. So while we're talking about bats, um, mm-hmm. I like bats a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and bats, especially bats in North America, are they were heavily threatened back until, I guess, whenever they banned DDT and all that. Um, insectivorous bats were having a really rough time and then they've bounced back. Good news. But... Lots of them are having, again, a really rough time due to something called white nose syndrome, which is, a, they think it's an introduced fungal infection. It's a fungus that likely came from Europe, where in Europe, bats are exposed to this fungus and don't have any um, ill effects, but bats in um, North America are having ill effects. And they think that the fungus is introduced in a bunch of ways, but likely through people like exploring in and hiking and caving and spelunking and all that mm. in bat habitats uh, with um, like shoes or hiking equipment or ropes or whatever that have been used in Europe also. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's how it first got to North America. And now it's just like, it started on the East coast and is moving. Now it's everywhere. Basically everywhere. Um, and it has a huge fatality. Uh, it basically impacts their ability to um, either their ability to hibernate or hibernation affects their ability to fight off the infection. So basically once they go to hibernate, the infection ends up taking over. And then as of 2012, so like almost 10 years ago, they think that it had already killed um, about over 6 million bats in just North America. Ugh. In 2008, the bat population in some caves that were infected with this um, fungus, uh, the population dropped by 90%. Oof. It's like, it's, really 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 bad um so call to action would be if you are hiking in different places anywhere that you think there might be a bat which is lots of places basically anywhere that's mm-hmm. dark and trees um to make sure that you uh disinfect your any equipment that you're taking with you especially if you're in somewhere that is a known place that has it and yeah. then also just to be really nice to bats and leave their yeah. caves and stuff alone mm-hmm. yeah they're not they're not gonna get you no this isn't Dracula. No. Um, Especially the bats in North America are really good because they eat bugs. They eat all the bugs and they're just up there and they're like, we've talked about this before, they're so tiny. They're literally, they're just going to fly away from you because they are more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. And they're just like, please go away. I want to eat these mosquitoes. And they're delicious for me and you hate them. So stop bugging me and I'll eat all your mosquitoes. Let me eat your mosquitoes. Yeah. Um, You know, and like good bat houses are good to have bats in urban areas as well um yeah i'll, I'll put in the show notes some cool bat let's, supporters let's support bats yay, uh. yay bats. yeah so i think that probably brings us to the end of ye old bat episode mm-hmm. if you have thoughts about bats or if you've read more of these silverwing uh yeah. Kenneth opal books uh reach out to us and ask us your questions you can find us on social media at nature finds a pod on facebook instagram and twitter or you can head to our website naturefindsapod.com or don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app mm-hmm. we will be back in two weeks with another exciting summer slightly less b movie hopefully slightly <laughs> better than our last b movie <laughs> anaconda Woo. get ready to talk about snakes gay snakes more We've got sarah the bat trainer and sarah the snake trainer she's got so much experience that she didn't know she needed for this podcast yeah who knew who knew <laughs> <laughs>
And in the meantime, stay, stay sciencey, friends. friends.